Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. This is Nasser Pasha. And this is... <laughs> and this is Matt Stahl. That, 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 stop. Darn it. Welcome to our business legal podcast, where we cover business in the news and also answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. And that's an email address, so uh, just... Uh, don't mail that in to that address. You have to use your email system to do that. You know, all week you've been trying to introduce me, say my name at the same time I say it. It's two different audio recordings. So I guess if you really wanted to, you could just <laughs> have it be at the same time. I don't know if it really matters. Yeah. Even if you would have got the exact same recording, it, we could have changed it anyways. Well, I assume you haven't been listening to the previous episodes because I've had Chris cut out your name pretty much every time and your voice so it's just been me just this entire time for the last few weeks i was wondering if you're going to mention anything but <laughs> you didn't say anything so i assume you knew just dead air time and times when i was actually speaking <laughs> yeah it sounds like i'm talking to myself and i'm hearing voices which sometimes i do feel that well we're gonna go close to home with this story because we're dealing with yeah. san diego comic-con specifically a lawsuit of course because that seems to be what we usually talk about so this is interesting because i didn't obviously knew san diego comic-con it's a huge event every year probably the biggest event in san diego but i had seen some other comic-cons that have popped up and i didn't know if there was an affiliation with the San Diego Comic-Con or what the deal was. And this kind of gives me an answer because San Diego Comic-Con is suing the Salt Lake City Comic-Con. I guess this lawsuit was just filed, very fresh lawsuit, basically saying that they're infringing upon their trademark with the Comic-Con. So I don't... I guess the difference is that the Salt Lake City Comic-Con must have been awful because... I guess I take that back. It was either awful or it was so good and so lucrative that San Diego's trying to get money from it. It's one of the two, probably. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, have you ever been to the Comic-Con in San Diego? I've never been. I've gone down to the area a few times, but I've never actually been inside for any of the actual stuff. Yeah. I've always wanted to go and I've come close, but then I feel weird. I feel like it's not for me. I'm, I feel like I'm almost depriving other people that are more interested in those things than I am. So I feel like, okay, I'll just let other people go because there are very limited tickets and it yeah. gets sold out every time. And you have to get on the wait list of, they come out like, I think six plus months in the year and so forth for the San Diego convention. But Salt Lake Comic Con, it's actually pretty popular, apparently. It's only been going on for a few years and so forth. And, and Utah's defense, they talk about that's why they're being targeted is because of their recent popularity and so forth. But what's interesting is that what you said is that you were assuming that there was some kind of affiliation. And that's kind of the issue is the organizer is assuming the Salt Lake Comic Con because it confuses fans into thinking the two are affiliated. And that's pretty much the basis for an infringement if there's a likelihood of confusion. And here, obviously, I mean, you have Salt Lake Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con. When people say the Comic Con, pretty much everyone I understand knows that that refers to San Diego's Summer Comic Con. And if you mention that there's a Comic Con somewhere else, Salt Lake City, even in Denver, you assume that, okay, that must be the guys in San Diego that are also doing it in uh, Denver and Salt Lake City. So I think they have that aspect of confusion, but the question is who holds the trademark? And so Matt and I did some research 
And it looks like the Salt Lake Comic Con, here, hold on, this is the graphic. Salt Lake Comic Con, the actual text themselves, the standard character mark, was filed on July 31st, 2000, what is that? 14 this year. <laughs> and of course, Comic Con, just the text, was filed by, owned by, let's see, the San Diego Comic Convention Corporation, based out in, out in La Mesa, California, right outside San Diego, filed on September 15th, 2005. Pretty while ago when it comes to, I think, I don't know when the Comic-Con started, but that's a pretty good presumption of uh, ownership there. Yeah, it, it actually started in 1970. Oh, wow. But I guess it probably didn't gain popularity till yeah. the mid-2000s. And if you, I'm looking at a list of all the... this. It's not just in the U.S. They're actually all across the world, but there's roughly 15 or so in the U.S., and most of them started in this century. So there's a couple... There's a Chicago one that was actually pretty old. And then I think the the next oldest one looks like it was in actually Detroit. Pretty interesting. But yeah, it's. Uh, I wonder if San Diego has gone after any of these other ones or and why. I'm just curious on why they chose to go after the Salt Lake one. Uh, yeah, that's a good question because if you do the, uh, and I'm doing search as we're talking now just for fun, there's a bunch of other trademarks that have been filed. There's some for Anaheim, Los Angeles. And I also note that Comic-Con, the one that San Diego has filed, is with a hyphen in the middle. I don't know if that changes anything. Let me take that back. Anaheim Comic-Con is registered by the San Diego Comic Convention. So they actually are the ones that own that. Let me look at Denver here. Interesting. Denver is owned by somebody else. So I've never heard of a uh, Denver Comic-Con, but apparently there's something like that. Started in 2012, so it's pretty new. Pretty new, yeah. So on the legal side, do you see San Diego having any sort of claim against this, against you, Salt Lake? Well, first, they already have a presumption that they own the trademark because they have a registered trademark. It's already been published for opposition. Salt Lake's Comic-Con obviously just filed, so it hasn't even been published for uh, opposition yet. And obviously, the San Diego Comic-Con, those owners are enforcing their rights. And again, I'm going to point out, even though this Salt Lake City convention has been going on for a while. It would have been better for San Diego to assert its enforceability of the trademark earlier than later, but I still think they have a case. I don't think that's necessarily barring them at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. You said Salt Lake filed on July 31st in this lawsuit. I don't know what the date was. San Diego filed on Thursday, August 7th. So not long after that was filed, probably in reaction to. Very interesting. Yeah, I want to go next year or sometime in the future <laughs> and dress up as Iron Man or something. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's definitely worth at least going down to the area by the convention center and checking it out because it's a weekend spectacle, definitely. And there's a lot of people too that actually just go down to the area and just to check it out and just to see what's going on. There's always a bunch, like tons of stores and restaurants have stuff up and it's it's a pretty fun time. It might be more fun than actually going. Yeah, and I know it's a huge event for some of our clients in San Diego. I mean, a lot of business comes in. It's sometimes uh, the biggest time for consumers for our, the small businesses in the year. Very true. Yeah, it is true. It's That's huge. why they were so concerned about possibly losing it to LA or somewhere. Yeah. And the problem is because this is kind of local politics is that the convention center as of right now isn't big enough compared to some of the other convention centers. And so that's why the actual Comic-Con has so much overflow to different 
they have different meetings and seminars, et cetera, whatever they do over there. I don't even know what they do. <laughs> I'm thinking about some kind of boardroom with a bunch of people dressed in uh, comic costumes, but they have overflow in different buildings around the convention center too as well. Right. So it's not just located there. All right. Well, go San Diego. We'll see what happens. Question of the day. I want to bring on a new shareholder in my S-Corp. The only problem is they are not a U.S. citizen. How can I get around this issue? So this is obviously someone that listened to one of our shows last week where we talked about the restrictions that an S-Corp has, one of which is you can't have a non-citizen as one of your shareholders. So congrats to them for listening. Or thank you. I don't know why I I congratulated them. Congratulations. Should be congratulating us. (laughs) Congratulations to all our listeners, not just the questioner, because I don't want to be biased against this person or in favor of this person. So let's see. I guess there's a couple things they could do. At least that's what I've thought of. So option one. Don't give them anything. Just kick them out of your company. Option one. Yeah. Option one, tell them no. (laughs) Option two would be change the type of entity that you are. Yeah. You can do a conversion from an S-Corp. To basically anything else, just the S-Corp is the one that has a restriction on how non-citizens can't be shareholders. So I don't know if you had any other options. Yeah. There's another option. It may or may not work for this person, but if let's say your S-Corp is your operating entity at this point, what you do is you create a separate entity, which will become the operating entity. And this foreign investor or foreign shareholder, sorry, will own a percentage of this new entity, whether it's an LLC or C-Corp, doesn't matter. And then the S-Corp owns the actual other interest of the C-Corp LLC. So if you just look at a, let's say that you have an S-Corp that one shareholder owns 100% and you wanted to give this foreign person 10%. So instead, create a new entity, have the S-Corp own 90% of that new entity and the foreign owner own 10% of that entity. Uh, The only downside with that is if you're already operating as a business under that particular S-Corp, then transferring that may be more of a hassle than to just convert to a C-Corp. I think that's the only other option I can think of. The foreign investor or shareholder also can't start its own C-Corp or own LLC and then buy into the S-Corp. Unfortunately, only natural citizens and some trusts and estates can actually own an S-Corp. I got another one. He or she can become a U.S. citizen. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That's probably the easiest way to do (laughs) it. By far the (laughs) easiest method. I still like option one. I think the best way is to not deal with any foreign persons at all. That is partly true, though, because when you have a foreign person in your entity, whether it's an LLC or a C-Corp, there are additional reporting requirements and withholding requirements that are put on the uh, the entity themselves. And that can be an extra cost when it comes to the accounting and so forth. And so oftentimes what we do is we have the foreign person set up their own entity in the state so that they can set up all that reporting requirements on their own and then have that entity own whatever shares or membership interest in the LLC or C-Corp, just to make it easier on the actual operating company. Yeah, it will say don't let them in. That's the answer. <laughs> All right, very good. All right, thanks for joining us this week. And uh, join us again on Monday, where we start to talk about, and then I'll just leave a blank there, and somehow <laughs> we'll fill it in later. <laughs> yeah, you can probably just get it. It's one of like five things, so Uber... Pizza. Yeah, just Yelp. We'll probably Uber, pizza. Yeah. 
And yeah, worst case scenario, you and I will watch an episode of The Office and we'll issue spot the legal issues. <laughs> uh, that's great. I wish, really wish there were new episodes to legal spot because I've already analyzed every one of them. All right. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. Thanks for joining us. Bye. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.